up uh, Nick Mayo. Please welcome up. He's awesome. Okay. You know what I, I would love to see? I've been, at, I've been at Access for some years now, and uh, we've used that same graphic for a long time, and, and it's always been that spot of yellow. And I just, I want to have to remake that graphic because the yellow's bigger, right? You guys know what I'm saying? Like, come join us. Uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm excited for tonight. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just jump into it. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to actually have some, uh, some guests come up and, and share some testimonies. Do you guys like testimonies? Yeah. Yes, praise the Lord. They'll share some testimonies here in a second. So, Father God, we just, uh, we just love you. We worship you. We adore you. We just recognize what you're already doing in this place, Father. I recognize what you're already doing in the hearts of the individuals that are in this room tonight, God. We thank you that this is an appointed time. Father, I thank you that no one's here by accident. But Father, you have divine purpose and plans for the conversations that are going to happen tonight, for the, the word that will get shared tonight, God, already the worship that we worship tonight, God, you're just drawing our hearts deeper and deeper into you. And Father, we respond. We want to know you more. We want to see you more. And Father, we just want to seek you more. Have your way in this place tonight, God. I pray over uh, the rest of the evening for the, the teaching portion, God, that at all, as always, my, my words would just fall aside and that nothing else would stick in these hearts apart from your words, your truth, your life. Father, we thank you for these testimonies we're about to celebrate of just hearts chasing after you, on fire for you. And Father, I just ask that you do it again and again and again and more and more people in here, Father, that we could all taste and see that you are good every moment of every day. And Papa, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, we love you. And you're so welcome here. So we say, have your way. God, we love you. We praise you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. So you guys start heading up here. I have... Uh, two people that we're going to have share, and then I'll, I'll share some other testimonies that came in, but this is John. Everyone say hi, John. This is Beth. Beth is currently one of our discipleship students. Yes. And then John's wife, Lauren, is actually one of our discipleship students. So John is a discipleship student by association. And, uh, and <laughs> they're both going to share some things that God's doing in their life when it comes to prayer. So, Beth, why don't you jump in? Okay, I will take the floor first. Um, a little bit of my backstory um, before I started my morning prayer. Um, I really had no consistent or intentional prayer time with the Lord. Um, and unintentionally, a lot of my prayers were me-focused, um, basically because I didn't know what prayer could or should be. Growing up, I had this idea in my head and how I was raised that you pray before meals, when I need something, or when something was wrong. And that as I was growing in my faith, I obviously realized that was not it. And I wanted more, and I desired to seek him more. Yet I always felt like he was distant. Um, not because he was, but because I wasn't connected with him. 
I didn't have a relationship with him because I spent no time with him. And he really put that in my heart. He's like, how are you expected to know me if you don't spend time with me? Um, so as I was getting into my uh, really just frustrated, I went to a lot of mentors, and they're like, Bethany, you need to be, like, praying, like, fervently praying. And I'm like, okay, I can do that. Uh, so my mornings now start out at around 4, 4.30 in the morning, and I dedicate that time specifically to prayer. And by prayer, I don't mean bringing my agenda. It doesn't mean going when I'm motivated, because we shouldn't pray to him or praise him because we're motivated. We should do it because he is worthy of it and because he deserves it. And it's a joy that we get to do that. Um, and as I was growing in my own prayer time, um, I also recognized that a lot of my prayer was praising him just for who he is and who he's called me to be, praying for other people, which is a huge part in prayer because God desires us to have specific prayer requests. Um, I also spend a lot of time in my Bible. It's not just like reading a verse and saying, okay, that's good, and then closing my Bible. It's like meditating on, and it's alive, and it's breathing, and it's amazing. Um, and some of the blessings or the fruits, you could say, that have come out of that is I can hear God's voice so much more clearly now. It's like the very oxygen, like the song we were just singing, the very oxygen that I breathe. Like I can just feel his presence also, when you ask specific prayer requests, it's amazing when he gives those specific answers. Like, I want to brag on my brother-in-law before he was even my brother-in-law. I was praying fervently for him, and he's now getting baptized next month. I love you, Ryan. And the most important thing, I think, the takeaway from it was when I start my day out with God as my priority— Everything else falls in line beneath it, regardless of how I'm feeling, regardless of my circumstances. He is my focal point throughout the day. Morning prayer has, like, revolutionized my life, the way that I view my personal life, the way that I view my work, the way that I view myself, and the way that I view other people. So I highly, highly, highly encourage, if you haven't started to take dedicated, intentional time in prayer to do so, because he so desires to know your heart, and he wants to get closer to you, and it has, I cannot speak more highly of it. So if you have any questions afterwards, I do not have enough time to get through everything that I wanted to say. So if you have questions, please find me afterwards. I want to share what he's doing in my life. Hello, everybody. I'm John. I'm going to read. So uh, I'm very excited to be sharing with you guys. Um, I hope that it's encouraging and also challenging for some people. Um, I want to start out with a verse that actually turned up to be on the same page I was writing this down on. It's from Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 through 23. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So um, I'm excited to uh, share my new morning habits with you guys. Honestly, I've only been doing it for about two weeks now. Um, but I've already experienced the Lord um, in a new way, and I'm still learning a lot since I decided to give him the first fruits of my day. The message that Nick brought um, two weeks ago really challenged me to get up earlier than I had been 
to spend quality time with my father in heaven. So I adjusted my bedtime, cut out an episode of Law and Order <laughs> so that I could give him two hours um, each morning before leaving uh, for work. Now I'm not saying that two hours is the right amount for you. Maybe it's five. Maybe it's starting with a half hour. Anything more than you may be doing right now. This moment is what's work, or this amount is what's working for me right now at the moment. But I'm just starting my journey, and we're all on our own. So God only knows how early I'll be waking up in the future. Our Father wants us so badly to commune with His, wants so badly to commune with His children daily. To put it in perspective, maybe we have an earthly father who we don't give the time of day or value their opinion or word or take their love for granted and give them nothing in return. Typically, dads want to spend or hang, spend time with or hang out with their kids more than we want to hang out with dad. When we do, it brings them so much joy that we would want to hang out with them. How much more would our father in heaven, the creator of us and everything, appreciate us giving him our time? He appreciates our effort alone, regardless of how big or little. I'm telling you guys, the Lord will meet you there and will reward those who diligently seek him. You will be favored by him, and he will bless you richly with revelation during that time and also throughout your whole day. I was reading my devotional plan on the Bible app, which is a great way to get started um, because you can do a plan by yourself or with someone or a group, and they can hold you accountable whether it's a plan to read the whole Bible in a year or a plan about addiction, pride, self-control, there's a plan for it, literally thousands. Um, anyway, a revelation came through my devotion that I should have a journal and a pen and worship music nearby when I'm praying. It was talking about distractions, and I get pretty distracted when I'm praying. I started by rebuking the distractions and the lies of the enemy, and I started writing to God, and he was talking back to me. One thought led to another and another to a worship song. I'd turn the song on and it would bring more revelation and I couldn't stop writing. Before I knew it, I would run out of time. It's been great. Some may think they don't have the time to dedicate right now, but it's probably just some reprioritizing you have to do. And God can give you supernatural time, motivation, and endurance to get you through the rest of your day. Um, you'll accomplish even more than you would have if you had slept in that extra hour. Um, there's no better way to start the day than in his presence. Thank you both. The cool thing is, is, is you know, Johnny was sharing the, the aspect of the Bible app and, and the way that you could jump into a, uh, a plan with people. Both of these guys are in a plan that, that we're going through. So, and it's, it's a cool one. I didn't even know before this plan that they had these types of plans where you can have like conversation at the end. So there's like dialogue boxes. So you get to the end and then you could share your thoughts. And, and like, there's part of me that really like, there's the part that's like, yes, I, I'm looking forward to the plan and I go through it. And then, you know, I get to journal kind of in front of them and we get to have this dialogue. Um, but then I also get to look back the day before and see what kind of conversations had and jump in. And it's, it's absolutely amazing. So uh, I love those guys. And, and uh, I just love hearing stories about what God's doing as we create 
time for him to come and meet us, you know. I was talking to Dylan this morning. Dylan, wave to everybody. Say hello, Dylan. Okay, hold on, hold on. Whoa, we had like one person that said hello, Dylan. How is that supposed to make Dylan feel? Say hello, Dylan. Yes, thank you. Look at now he's blushing. That's what we should have done the first time. <laughs> I was talking to Dylan. <laughs> I love you too, buddy. I was talking to him this morning, and, and he's, he just like, he came skipping up to me, essentially. And he's like so giddy. And I was like, how's your day going? He's like, it's fantastic. And that might not be, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember all of his words. I'm sorry. I didn't write them down, Dylan. I'm sorry. Uh, but he was just telling me about how this morning he got up, he worked out, spent time in the prayer and in, in the word and, and how it's, it's just brought him alive for the day. He says, I have so much energy. I have so much more energy than any other day. And I know that, you know, we've been in an entire month uh, about prayer. And at this point, sometimes I could feel like, okay, we get it. You've told us to pray. Um, just so you know, it's really a year about prayer, so it's going to continue on. Um, <laughs> brace yourselves. Um, but it's, it's one thing to go, I get it. You told me to pray. It's another thing to start putting it to practice, you know, and to actually start tasting the fruits of what happens when, when we actually step into it. And we actually taste and see that the Lord is good. And it's not just a thought that we have, but it's actually an experience that we get to step into. It's not about the, the tinglies, right? It's not about charismatics, right? That's what we would consider ourselves, right? Charismatics, really hungry for the moves of the Spirit. Absolutely, I'm all about that. But sometimes we, we start to wonder and question if it was authentic, if we didn't get the tingles. <laughs> You're laughing because you know it's true. You're like, did I actually experience anything? I don't know. And, and it's not about that. It's about understanding truth. Right? Sometimes we think that faith is, is disconnected from knowledge. No, faith is just, it, it's this, you know, thing that we hope for and we can't truly know, but we, we faith for it, we hope for it, we believe for it, but faith is so rooted in knowledge, in understanding who God is, understanding what his word says uh, about him, about us, about what he does when we draw near to him, right? We said it earlier, James 4, 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And just knowing that that's a reality, I don't have to feel tinglys <coughs> to know that he's drawing near to me. Because I could rely that his word is true and that his word never returns back void and that when I go into his word, it's actually doing a work in me, even if I don't feel it. Does this make sense? Yeah. We're going to talk about this quite heavily today. I, uh, I, I want to bring up kind of the, the biggest hindrance that as I've worked with young adults specifically uh, over the last, mm, what is it, eight years, 2012 uh, to now, the number one thing that constantly comes up is going, like, I, I know that I should, but I, I want it to be from a place of authenticity and, and I don't want it to be legalistic. How many of you guys have ever thought that? 
I, I'm having this conversation because I started realizing that I had that conversation like seven times in the last two weeks alone. I want it to be authentic. I don't want it to be legalistic. I don't want it to become just a ritual. And, and we, we say that because as we go through and we look through Matthew's gospel and we look through and we watch the way that Jesus approaches people that are called Pharisees. You guys familiar with who Pharisees are? They were the biblical teachers of the time, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. And he tended to actually act pretty abruptly with them, right? You brood of vipers. You're making twice the sons of hell as you are. Like... <laughs> fun terminology. It's in there. He said it to him. And we go, ooh, I don't want that relationship with Christ. So I want to make sure that everything I do is authentic and real. So what happened, you know, when if you look at church history, and this has happened multiple times before, but when you, when you look at you have the Catholic Church and, and the, the whole religious structure here, and then you have Martin Luther, right? You guys know who Martin Luther is? Not Martin Luther King Jr., different guy, both amazing, amazing individuals. Um, but Martin Luther comes in, nails his thesis on, and all of a sudden the Protestant Reformation happens. And, and there's been a very large critique on the way that the religious system of the time was doing things. And... What happens, we've talked about it plenty of times at Access, is what happens is we go from a, a, you know, extreme on this side, and in order to compensate for that extreme, we tend to make another extreme. Call it pendulum shifting, right? So if I, if I were to take something over here and I were to drop it, if there's a string attached, it would go over way over to this side, right? And, and we tend to work on that for a while, and, and then some people go, oh, this is broken, and then they pendulum shift over to the other side, or if you allow enough time to kind of come, it starts to swing and swing and swing, and if you know what a plumb line is, uh, it's, it's a thing that like hangs down to show kind of levelness, right? And, and we're trying to find that plumb line, and what the plumb line is is, is Jesus Christ himself. He's the model for our life. He came to, to show us a new way of living. Jesus, we said it earlier, Gabe said it beautifully up on stage, is Jesus didn't come so that we would just make a, a decision. The decision is part of it. We have to make the decision in order to start moving forward. But he didn't come just then we would make a decision. He came to actually give us a completely new way of living. A completely new way of living. The issue is, Sometimes we could approach that and we could think, well, the new way of living just goes over top my old way of living. And we try and wrestle with that. And we find ourselves in these, these pits and these grooves and these different things to where we're going, I just can't figure out how to do this whole thing. And, and things like praying start to become a, a big hindrance because I've tried it so many times and I, I just can't whatever, right? All sorts of things can be put into that. I just can't whatever. And when we understand truth, once again, when we understand what these aspects are actually doing, what Jesus actually invited us into, and I'm going to go into all this here in a second, what he actually invited us into, it gives us a better context to be able to actually step into these things with a better heart posture. So that way they don't become legalistic, they don't become just ritualistic or anything like that because our heart's right. The actions still look very much the same. 
right? Some people, hopefully not, but I think in a room this size and depending on different backgrounds, some people are hearing people go, I wake up at, at 4, 4.30 in the morning, and I shared that I did this, you know, two weeks ago, I was sharing that. Years ago, I was, I was this person going, oh, okay, holier than thou. <laughs> Calm down up there, okay? Um, and, and we could start to think, wow, legalistic much? You get up every day at 4 or, or, or something like this. And I, I hope that doesn't come up, but the reality is, is it could. And, and I'll talk about that tonight. But I really wanted to, to kick off just start talking. How many of you guys have ever read a biography? Yes. Wow. Lots of readers in here. In the last year. Okay. <laughs> you guys are like, I read it back in high school. Exactly. <laughs> the, the interesting thing about biographies, right? Back when I was in high school, I read a biography. Well, no, it was before high school. I was probably in middle school, maybe even in elementary school. Actually, I was in elementary school because I remember checking this book out from the library. Um, you guys remember <laughs> elementary library? And then they had the card, and then they, okay. Um, and I checked out the, uh, obviously it wasn't the whole biography because he was still living, still is living, but the early years of Michael Jordan, right? And at the time, I was like, I was all about basketball. I watched basketball all the time, and I was like, yes, hoop dreams. That's going to be me. And I was like, yes, I'm going to be Michael Jordan. And, and I sit down, and I just remember, I just remember going through and just reading about, about his childhood, right? To where, like, he, he didn't have a basketball hoop, so he took a, a milk carton, had the, the bottom punched out, put it up on a pole, and then him and his, you know, crew from around his, his neighborhood would play basketball off this just, like, makeshift little basketball thing, right, for the love of the game. And he'd be out there practicing and practicing and practicing, and, and it was like, yes, that's going to be me. I'm going to be like Michael Jordan with the and the tongue hanging out, and the, you know, space jam, I want the whole kit and caboodle, <laughs> you know, golfing, baseball, that didn't go well, um, <laughs> space jam, anybody, does any, come on, yes, okay, and I was like, oh, I prayed to the Lord that <laughs> I'm not old enough to where that just, boom, thank you, <laughs> I feel young again, and, and so I go on with my life, just focused on, on this fact that I'm going to be Michael Jordan. Yes, it's an interesting fact. Uh, or or uh, what did I say up there? Fact, yeah, truth. The, the fact was I was going to be Michael Jordan. The truth was, nope. Um, <laughs> and, and I get to high school and I try out for basketball. And the first year I get cut and I was like, I remember this in the biography he got cut his first year. <laughs> that confirms it. I'm definitely Michael Jordan. Hoop dreams. Second year, I get cut again. And I just threw the dream out down the toilet. The issue was, I read the book, but I, I didn't actually see what he was doing to become the person that he had become. I just thought it was a really cool story about young Michael Jordan. And then I was like, yes, I'm going to do that, right? He, he 
built a basketball hoop out of, out of nothing and then practiced day in and day out whether or not, you know, the hoop was probably even up. I don't know. He just practiced and practiced and he talked about his dribbling drills and all these different things. And, and nowadays, don't come up and talk to me about basketball because I, I also didn't pay attention to basketball. So I really have no idea what I'm talking about. I just knew I wanted to be Michael Jordan. <laughs> so it's not sports and me are not good conversations. <laughs> I, um, anyway, does that make sense? And, and I, I brought this book because I just finished this book this week and it's called Becoming Dallas Willard. It's not about becoming Dallas Willard, but it actually kind of is. It's about Dallas Willard, who, who's just an amazing, amazing man of the Lord that passed away in 2013. Somebody that I, I absolutely admire, just the life he, he ended up living and, and just the way that he walked as a virtuous individual and a man that, that carried so much of a Christ-like character, integrity, uprightness, and all these different aspects that I just, I've come to just admire on people who've ran the race well, right? People who've, who've actually put on the character and nature of Christ. And the difference is, is like if we, if we go through, there, I, I have different highlights, which I'm not even coming, I d apparently I just didn't highlight anything. No, <laughs> there's different highlights in here to where anytime it, it said, you know, Dallas read this book at this time, and it actually changed the way he thought. And, like, how many know, as I was reading through this over the last whatever month, as I would come to that, I started actually purchasing those books. Because I started to realize, like, a biography is actually an invitation. And, and it's called Becoming Dallas Willard. I'm not trying to become Dallas Willard. I'm trying to become more Christ-like. But uh, Becoming Dallas Willard is, is actually a beautiful title for it because putting in the, the things of practice that he did would actually bring you closer to becoming more like Dallas Willard, if that's even a goal that you'd like to have, right? So I started ordering these books, and now they're slowly trickling in, and now I have a book list that's piling up, and I'm going, I'm looking forward to going through these because they shape the mind of someone that I, I truly admire, right? You guys following along with me? The interesting thing is, we tend to call Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John the four Gospels, right? Gospel means good news. And, and sometimes we can miss the point of what they, what they are. What a Gospel is, what Matthew is, is it's a, it's a biography account of the life of Christ from the, the point of view of Matthew. And they, they show us the life, and then we go into to Mark and Mark's the businessman's gospel. He's kind of quick and to the point, and he's given us a very concise, to the point kind of picture of Jesus. And then we go into to Luke. It's the detailed account, right? He was a physician, so he has all, he's just expounding out on everything. I'm surprised they could even read his handwriting, right? <laughs> this kind of thing. That <laughs> could be why it's so long. Maybe they had to, no, no, just kidding. <laughs> And then John, it's the beautiful picture of God's love and mercy. And, and the interesting thing is we can actually start to go through and see the life of Christ on display. Even in Luke's gospel, he gives us a picture of early years of Jesus, right? Starts to talk about how Jesus at the age of 12 was in the synagogues teaching the teachers. <laughs> and they're going, um, What? paraphrase. 
this 12-year-old has great wisdom, great knowledge. Where did he get this from? And we could start to see the things that are put in practice and understand some of the things that he was putting in practice. And Jesus was a prayer. Jesus would pray through the Psalms. The Psalms were the prayer book of, of the Jews. So many of you guys know that Jesus spent much time in the Psalms. Much time in the Psalms. And he was so learned because of the way that he just approached Scripture, the way that he gave his life as a surrender to the Lord. And we see over and over and over in Scripture, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, to where Jesus would retreat off to the wilderness. I don't think at that point it was something that he had to force because it had been built into his habitual nature. Because remember, he was not a person who carried habitual sin. He was a person who had disciplined himself from early, early on from birth and had lived a very disciplined life, surrendered to the heart of the Father. He's to the point where, I mean, obviously because of the deity, but also because of the way he walked as man filled with the character and nature of God through the Holy Spirit. He was able to say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I only do what I see the Father do, and I only say what I hear the Father say because he had guarded that relational time with the Father. To Jesus, prayer was not just a laundry list or a grocery list of things that God could answer for him, but it was actually a relational connection to the one he was serving, to the one he was chasing after to glorify, to the one he was so focused on as he walked through life. When Jesus gives us Matthew 6.33 and says, Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you. He was able to say it with such confidence because he had walked it out and modeled it for everybody to look at. And praise the Lord for the disciples to write it for us to be able to look at. Praise the Lord that we now have the, the biography accounts of Jesus to where we could actually start playing his dribble drills out. We could actually start shooting hoops and making sure that we're doing the drills. Does that make sense? Does that translate for you? If not, I'm just saying we could actually start doing the things he did. <laughs> Last week, I was, I was just in a time of prayer, and, and I heard, and it's going to sound confusing at first, but I heard, we'll never do the things that Jesus did unless we're willing to do the things that Jesus did. And what I'm not saying is, because we look at Scripture, and how many of you guys would say, I love watching Jesus walk about in kingdom come down to earth, and he heals people, he raises the dead, and I want that. How many of you guys would say that's me? I want, okay. <laughs> Three people in here. Great. Holy Spirit, come. <laughs> Fire. That caught me off guard. <laughs> I know the rest of you guys truly believe it in your heart, though. Um, anyway, if we want to see the great moves of the kingdom, the healings, the raisings of the dead, the prophetic declarations, the, the words of knowledge, all these different aspects, we also 
need to be willing to do the things that Jesus did leading up to that point. Another way of saying it is, if you want to live a life of radical kingdom influence, you have to be able to, or you have to, take on the life that he models. Again, Jesus didn't come to, to get us to just simply make a decision. He came to, to actually get us to lay down our life. I love this, this phrase, and at first it's like, what? Jesus, Jesus didn't go to the cross so that we wouldn't have to. You're like, whoa, <laughs> atonement, let's, let's talk about this. No, he, he came to the cross and went to the cross so then we could join him there in crucifying our flesh and laying down our life. Because in joining him there, we actually get to join him in the resurrection. And you can't resurrect anything that hasn't been killed. Dead things come alive. Falsely alive things are just comfortable and don't want to be brought alive. Is this okay? So it's just like it's just like wanting to play in the NFL, but not wanting to actually do all the work. Not wanting to have a disciplined life. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> Whoever that is, thank you. I feel very encouraged. Seriously, I, I'm serious. I love when people feedback me. Feedback me? <laughs> that sounds like something I shouldn't say in church. <laughs> Scratch that from the tape. Matthew 16, 24 through 26 said, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever, wants to, or whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Galatians 2.20 is, is just, I would say it's one of my life verses, but I would also say it's one of these verses that I'm still like on the brink of, right? Like I, I feel like I have a, a understanding of it to a certain degree, but I feel like there's so much more that God wants to reveal in it. It says, I've been crucified with Christ, right? Jesus didn't go to the cross for us to not go to the cross. He went to the cross for us to join him there. And it is no longer I who live, say I who live, I live. but Christ, Christ living in me. No longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. Do you know how profound that is? Like, I, I've prayed through that scripture so many different times, and it still just baffles my mind. I still don't quite know what to do with it, except for just surrender. In fact, that's what it's asking us to do. It's actually inviting us into a surrendered life to where it's no longer I that live, but Christ that live in me. And it's no longer me gripping onto my old life. It's actually me gripping onto the life that God came to bring me. But part of gripping onto the life that God came to bring me is seeing it in here and actually putting it into place. It's nothing that he supernaturally just, I wake up one day and all of a sudden I'm doing all the things Christ did. And this is where we go, well, I don't want it to get into works. 
You know, I don't, I'm not trying to work my way into salvation. No, but we need to work our salvation out with fear and trembling. And, and sometimes this come off as a, you know, this isn't a rebuke by any means. This is an invitation to an entirely new way of living. That I'm hearing testimony after testimony, day after day, of people who are actually stepping into it to certain degrees. And the more they step into it, the more they hunger to step into it more. And, and those first couple of times of waking up early, it's not about 4 o'clock in the morning, right? That, that, that's not what it's about. For some of you guys, you're like, I work second shift. I work third shift. Four o'clock in the morning makes no sense to me. No, I get that. But it is about going, what are we doing to actually model the life of Christ in our life to the best of our ability? Because when I do it to the best of my ability, I'm not earning my way into anything, but I'm creating space for God's grace to move. When I get up early in the morning, whether I felt like it or not, I'm, I'm not working my way into earning any of God's love, but I am creating space in my life for his love to rush in and meet me there. How many of you guys have ever felt, I don't necessarily want to go to church today. I don't feel like, like I just don't feel like being around somebody. I, I don't necessarily feel like worshiping today. But then how many of you guys actually went and all of a sudden afterwards you said, I feel so much more alive. I have so much more energy. It's because we don't worship God because we feel like it. We worship God because he's worthy to be praised. He's worth worshiping. And, and it's just demanded on creation. We worship him because who he is. Same thing with prayer. We go into prayer because of who he is. And Jesus comes to give us life, right? John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I came that you might have life and life to the fullest. Life abundantly. That word life there. I, I, I love, like I don't use Greek and Hebrew words just for the sake of looking like some sort of scholar. Because trust me, I'm, I'm no scholar. But I, I love using the, the original language there because sometimes we just hear life and we go, I've heard it a thousand times. Life, life. I've heard it in scripture and then I've heard it in the world. And, and yeah, I, I've heard this thing. But when we actually go to the, the root word, Zoe, it starts to go, oh, what's that? <laughs> I've never heard of Zoe before. So when he says, I came to give you life and life abundantly, he's saying, I came to give you Zoe and Zoe abundantly. It's interesting when you do a word study on Zoe, Jesus is always using it. Paul's always using it as just a beautiful representation of eternal life. There's another word for eternal, but if you look it up, oftentimes it's partnered with eternal life. But so many times, as Christ is using it, as Paul's using it, as all these different things, it's, it's referring to this life that God's calling us into that we can have in no other place. I can't get Zoe life anywhere else apart from him, which is why I need prayer. And why I need to go to prayer, especially when I don't feel like it, but even when I do feel like it. Because prayer tethers me to the life-giving source to where now I can actually 
be revitalized, right? It's a beautiful thing when we go through Psalms and we just look at, at David, who's one of the most vulnerable men in, in Scripture, and he just goes through and he's constantly lamenting before the Lord and just going, God, where have you been? What are you doing? These guys, they seem to be overtaking us. Where are you? I'm waiting on you. How many of you guys bring those prayers to the Lord? You should. <laughs> because he's always brought to a new place. By the time he's finishing off his psalms, he's rejoicing in the Lord. He's getting new revelation in the Lord. He's standing firm on the promises of the Lord. And even when we don't feel the Lord, we can truly know that he is who he says he is. And even when I don't feel like getting up, I can still jump in and, and actually receive something, even if I don't get the tinglies. How many of you guys have ever gone into to Scripture, which prayer and Scripture go hand in hand? You can't have Scripture without prayer, otherwise you get a, a book of law, a book of death, Paul calls it. And you can't have, what did I say, Scripture without, you can't have prayer without Scripture, otherwise you get weird and flaky. It's a reality. I've watched it happen. <laughs> right? So when we go into these things, we start to, to feed on the sustenance of, of who God is, and he starts to actually transform our life and really do something inside of us. So I'm running out of time. I want to I read one quote to you guys to kind of summarize this whole section, and then I'm going to run through and kind of hopefully give a, a better picture of legalism and why discipline is different than legalism. But this quote is by Neil Donald Walsh. It says, yearning for a new way will not produce it. Only ending the old way can do that. Sounds a lot like what Christ was saying a minute ago, right? Those who try to save their life will lose it. Those who lose their life for my sake will gain it. What does it gain a, a man to lose his soul if he's gained the world, right? Yearning for a new way will not produce it. Only ending the old way can do that. You cannot hold on to the old all the while declaring that you want something new. The old will defy the new. The old will deny the new. And the old will decry the new. There is only one way to bring in the new. You must make room for it. How many of you guys want a new thing from the Lord in your life? We have to make room for it. And I know, I know, I know, it sounds like we're just a broken record up here, but it's just a call. And, and this is one of my prayers. I was praying it earlier today with our team. One of my prayers is that we would just hear so many different testimonies from you guys. Not falsified testimonies, that does nobody good. But testimonies of what it looked like to actually step in to putting this into practice because at first it might seem like you're just going through the rhythm. But if you do it from the sense of, I know that God said he's going to meet me here, so I'm trusting him that he will, I promise you, promise you, promise you, he will draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That should bring us alive. That gets me up in the morning. Right? Like, even on the mornings that I don't want to get up, that gets me up in the morning. Even the mornings I'm not excited to get up, I'm excited to get up because there's a truth that's surpassing the facts. The facts are, I'm tired. The truth is, he has everything to sustain me. 
Difference between discipline and legalism. Legalism is certainly dangerous. It's tainted spirituality focused on right things but wrong motives. Right? Jesus points out things that the, the Pharisees are doing. He says, don't stop doing those things. But he's constantly chasing after their heart. Going, there's a spirit of religion on you. You're doing things from a wrong motive. He's not telling them to not do the things. He's not saying stop fasting. He's just saying the way you're fasting, you've already gotten your reward. You're going out. You're trying to make everybody know that you're fasting. right? You've already received your reward because what you were seeking after was the applause of everyone else. Well, you got it. The people that said, oh, wow, look at him. He's gone seven days without food. Skinny as a rail. What a holy, holy man. They already got their praise, right? But the man who goes in and cleans his face, right? Washes, makes sure that nobody really can tell. I mean, after a while, you can tell, but nobody's really, you know, he's not going out and declaring it. That's what he's saying. He's going, the heartbeat of how you've gone about these things has just been skewed. And I want to invite you into a proper heartbeat. Legalism says, I will do this to gain merit with God. It says, I'm going to earn my way into the Father's love. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, fasting sometimes. Sometimes we, we go about fasting because we think it's going to manipulate God into giving us what we want. My prayer wasn't effective, so now I must add fasting to the things. So then God will actually do, and we start to try and earn our way into it, right? I, I can honestly say that I've done that in the past. So this isn't a criticism. This is going, I, I'm, I've been searched and in, in this has been revealed in me. Discipline, right? Legalism versus discipline. Discipline says, I will do this because I love God and I know he will meet me in it. Because I love God and I know he's good. Because I love God and I know that every good gift comes from the Father of light above. Because I love God and I know that just holds everything in his hand and even when I feel like I have no need I have a need for him because in him is eternal life John 17 3 this is everlasting life they may know you the one true God and Jesus Christ who you sent that knowing is very intimate it's experiential it's going I can only know him when I've spent time with him when I've sat in his presence when I've let him just ravish me with his great love sometimes my greatest prayers are the prayers that i just sit in silence for 20 30 40 50 minutes and i have nothing to say i'm only there to receive from him and guess what he shows me and then from there i have whole new things to say right Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. I I love N.T. Wright says that the issue with give us this day our daily bread isn't an issue with the verse. It's just an issue that we get there too fast. I love sitting in the Our Father who is in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Take that. And just chew on that for a week. You guys ever prayed a, a month-long prayer? <laughs> take, the, 
take the Lord's Prayer and pray it over the next month. One week you pray this one, next week, right? And there's other prayers in there, but you get what I'm saying? Just sit on that. Legalism is man-centered. Discipline is God-centered. Legalism is fake and full of self-reliance. Discipline is honest, like I said in David and the Psalms. But it knows where it helps, where its help comes from. It knows where its life comes from. Discipline means doing hard things when you don't feel like it by faith. Not doing hard things when you don't feel like it because they're good religious things, but doing hard things when you don't feel like it by faith that God is who he says he is. We can think about this through athletic language. Paul talks about it in athletic language over and over and over again, but I'm going to close out by just sharing uh, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Can't be too sure that this is Paul. I personally think it's Paul because there's a athletic language all throughout, a bunch of different things. But anyway, that's my own personal thought. If we're reading out of the message, it says, do you see what this means? So just got done with Hebrews 11, the chapter of the Hall of Famers of faith, right? Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on. It means we better get on it. Strip down and start running. Never quit. Strip down. He's talking about putting off the old man, removing the things of the past, right? We can't take on something new if we haven't removed the old. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. It's like saying to the basketball player, keep your eyes on LeBron or keep your eyes on Michael or keep your eyes on because they've ran this race before. And if you do the things they do, you'll run the race well. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could be put up with anything along the way. The cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. Do you see where this is a beautiful invitation? When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over the story again. Hit the Gospels again. Hit the biography again. Item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your soul. <laughs> I just love it. We're invited into a whole new way of living. We can look at Christ in a whole new way to where we could start to see the things that he put into practice. When he went to seek the Father, when he loved compassionately, and it doesn't, I can't love my neighbor well without the grace of God. But it also won't happen if I take that first step, if I don't take that first step, and if I don't take the action on my part to be met by his grace. 
If you receive this, say, I receive it. it. Heavenly Father God. Jesus, we just, we thank you, Jesus, that you modeled all of this well. You modeled it perfectly. You are God. You are highly exalted. You are beautiful. You also came as man to give us a picture of how we can live, to invite us into a way of living. You tell us that you're the way, the truth, the life. God, would you give us a better picture of what that looks like, God, that we would actually truly see your way in your biography, in your life, that we would find truth in you, in your word, and, Father, that it's drawing us into your life, your Zoe life, your everlasting life that we could only get from you, we could only get when we are plugged into you when we are in prayer with you no wonder it's Paul telling us pray without ceasing so father I pray that you would make this come alive in each and every person here that we would all no matter what we're doing in our our daily disciplines and daily routines that we would all respond to you in a greater way that we could truly live a life and not just sing a song of I surrender all all to thee my blessed savior I surrender all show us what that looks like release it in us father we love you we love you we love you Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, we love you. And we can't wait to talk to you tomorrow. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I highly encourage you guys, if, if you have a testimony on this, we want to hear it. If you start putting this to practice this month, sometime throughout the year, let us know what it's doing in you. And if you have any questions, you can find the two that shared. You can find your table leader. You can find me, um, Pastor Jake, when he gets back next week. Uh, but feel free to ask us. We'd love to walk through this with you and help you as well as we continue on.